Hi, my name is Seth Carson, and this is my story. I am married to my wife, Sarah Carson, and we have our two little girls, Paisley and Anna. When I was a child, four years old, my dad had me baptized in the Catholic Church. It was his decision, not mine, to be baptized at that young of an age. I was a good kid. I lived life like a kid does. I was, you know, not a whole lot going on in those years, and then after high school, I kind of, I went to um, college at Lincoln Tech up in Indy for um, diesel mechanics, and I kind of fell away from the church. And then when I got out and you go, you're a mechanic and you're in, the, in that world, it is not very faith friendly to a lot of people. So I was not in the church, I was away from it and everything. I just didn't have a relationship with God. So I met my wife. We've been married for eight years, and we had a, we got married, and we had our first child, Paisley. She, um, we used family for daycare and stuff like that, and we never really, we relied on everybody else and hoping that they would help us. Well, that dried up really fast when Paisley was about six months old and kids at the creek had a sign out front my wife was crying trying to find a place to watch our child when we couldn't be with her so she pulled in and was like hey you had a sign out that you were accepting new kids when can we come see it and Beth was who was here at the time she said well when do you want to come? And she said, well, I'm in the parking lot. I'm ready for you. I'm ready to come in. So that day, Paisley started at Kids at the Creek. I, at that time, was not really still into the church. I didn't know, you know, I still didn't have a relationship with God. So my wife was the one that was on me to get back into the church. She said, I got baptized a couple years ago, and... I think it's time for us to get back into a church. She got me to go, and we, the first service hit me pretty hard. It was like hitting the nail on the head. It was around the Christmas service, and then the next six months, every service seemed like it just hit the nail on the head with me. Everything was just, you know, man. I have not lived the best life. I have been, you know, I haven't honored God in the last 10 years of my life. What is, what is going on with me? I knew it was my time to give my life to Jesus because my kids were asking questions and they are very smart. They are very knowledgeable of what's going on. And... I seen my life changing and the good the good that was coming out of me coming to church and praying and getting that relationship back I knew when God said it is your time I'd like to introduce you to my my friend and soon-to-be brother Seth Carson he's uh, decided today to accept the calling of Jesus and to be baptized into the 
Brotherhood of the Believers. So, says with that, <coughs> I'd like you to make the confession that they've made for centuries. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Lord. That Jesus is the Lord. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. My Lord and my Savior. My Lord and my Savior. Beth, because of your confession, because of your faith in Jesus, Todd is now baptizing you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Really, it has been a life-changing, you know, like the motto of the church, bring everybody to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. I had that life-changing event. My life has been, I don't argue with my kids as much. They're still kids. I don't argue with my wife really at all anymore. We get along so much better, and it's because that I had that life-changing event. Following him has been the greatest decision ever and I feel 100% different than I did before. Everybody? All right. That's an interesting sound. Okay, I think we're a little, little scratchy, but uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do here. Well, it is great to see all of you, and I want to thank Seth for sharing his testimony on that video. Uh, there are lots of things I love about his story. I love the fact that God used several different influences to point him to Jesus. Did you notice that? God used his wife and his kids. He used our daycare, Kids at the Creek. He used this worship service where he heard God's word preached here on Sunday mornings. And then he used his good friend, Todd Combs. Todd is the one who baptized him. And this is a great example of what we pray for all the time. We pray that God will use us to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And that can happen in all kinds of ways. Just by being a teacher at the daycare or, or watching babies on Sunday morning. There's so many different ways God can use us. And that's one of the great things about coming together and worshiping here. Because when we're here and we open our hearts to God and we listen to his word, he changes us. He encourages us and he equips us to live in a way that honors him and points others to Jesus. So let's dig into God's word this morning. You know, I hate to say it, but uh, we're, we're getting close to the end of God's kingdom story. Just a few weeks left. And I have gotten so much out of this series and I hope you have too. Now, if you're new to Plum Creek and you don't know what I'm talking about here, we're taking several months to go through the big story of the Bible from creation to Christ. And we've covered a lot of ground so far. Uh, back in January, we, we looked at the beginning of the story. We talked about creation, the Garden of Eden, Noah and the flood. And then from there, we looked at the Old Covenant. We talked about the Tower of Babel, the blessing of Abraham, uh, the Ten Commandments, the old system of animal sacrifice, the Old Testament prophets. And then for the last four weeks, we focused on Jesus and the New Covenant. We saw that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He's the perfect sacrifice, the risen King, the Lamb of God, and the Lion of Judah. 
And I'm sorry to say, uh, my friends won't be up here painting this morning. That, that was awesome last week. But that brings us to today. We're round and third and headed for home. We're going to spend the next three weeks talking about this kingdom with no end. And we've said all along, this is not really our story. It's God's story. And he invites us to be a part of his story. And when we accept that invitation, man, we're headed for a great future. So let's dive in. Today's chapter is called Return to the Kingdom. And this chapter is a little out of order. We're actually going back in time a little bit. We're going back before the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Back to when he was, you know, in his ministry uh, teaching, working miracles, and telling stories. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a parable that's often called the prodigal son. And if you've been around church for a while, you may be very familiar with this story, but that's okay because it's worth revisiting. This story is a true masterpiece. It works on many different levels. On, on one level, it helps us understand ourselves. On another level, a higher level, it helps us understand God. And it helps us know how we should respond to this big kingdom story. As I was studying this week, I remembered a truth that I heard many years ago now. And this is the truth. From God's perspective, there are just two kinds of people. Forgiven and forgivable. That's pretty cool when you think about it. Now, Jesus didn't use those exact words. I got that from a preacher named John Weiss. But if you look at this parable, and you look at the Bible as a whole, this is what you come up with. So as we read this story, let's pay attention to what Jesus teaches us about ourselves, and let's pay attention to what Jesus teaches us about God. Okay, I think we're ready now. Uh, let's go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Jesus begins this story in Luke 15, verse, seven, or verse, verse 11, and it goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, a good storyteller usually uh, it does something to grab your attention from the very beginning. And that's exactly what Jesus does here. His audience would have been completely shocked by this introduction. This, this young son, man, he's being a total jerk. He's disrespectful, he's audacious, and he's deeply hurtful to his father. He's basically saying, Dad... I don't care about you very much, but I do care about my inheritance. So can we just fast forward to that time where you're dead and I get my money? Man, as a father, I can't imagine what that would have felt like. I can't imagine what it'd be like to hear your son say, Sorry, Dad, I don't want to spend time with you. I don't want to learn from you. I don't even care if you love me or not. Just show me the money. That, that dad, he would have to be heartbroken. But how would he respond? What, what would he say? Well, in another shocking turn of events, the father actually grants his young son's request. And now the boy's got his money. 
and he's free to leave. Look at what Jesus says next. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, what do you think that means? What did that wild living look like? I think it probably wasn't that different than what we would think of today. Uh, crazy parties, getting drunk or high, casual sex, prostitutes. It really doesn't matter if you're in first century Palestine or 21st century America. We have a pretty uh, good idea of what it looks like when somebody has gone wild. And if you've spent much time in that kind of lifestyle, you know it eventually catches up with you. And that's exactly what happens to the younger son. It says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So this kid just hit rock bottom. He's so low that he's looking up to pigs. It's no accident that Jesus mentions pigs here. In the Jewish world, uh, pigs were not only unclean, they were repugnant. So you couldn't get much lower than pigs. And that's where the boy finds himself. He has nowhere to go but up. And the cool thing is, that's what we're about to see. Verse 17 says, when he came to his senses, and, and I wanted to stop right there. That phrase really stuck out to me this week. When he came to his senses. I want to think about this for a second. What's going on in this boy's head? Well, first we need to back up. Why did the younger son leave home in the first place? After all, there were some big advantages to staying home. I, I made a list of several good reasons not to leave. When you're home, your, your basic needs are provided. You, uh, you don't have to worry about putting food on the table. Then, also, with your dad around, you've got the advantage of his wisdom. I mean, think about it. This, this dad seems like he was pretty successful in his career. Uh, that's probably where that nice inheritance came from. So you could learn a lot from this guy. But even more than wisdom, I believe the son could have received love and acceptance from his father. Because as you see later in the story, man, this, this dad is very loving, very accepting. But then one more advantage to staying home would have been boundaries and rules. Now, I don't think the younger son would have seen it that way. Uh, he probably had no love for rules and boundaries, but boundaries are there for your own safety. They're for your own good. And for certain people following rules, it brings a sense of safety and security. Of course, the younger son didn't care too much about any of these things. He was more attracted to the advantages of being away. He wanted things you can only find by leaving home. And I made a list of things there, too. First of all, the, the younger son, he, he left for a distant country because he wanted freedom. He also wanted adventure. 
and adventure always includes some kind of risk. And then it's clear that he wanted pleasure and fun. That's where the, the wild living comes in. And finally, he wanted new friends, new relationships. He was tired of everybody at home, especially his dad. Now, take a second and, and look at everything on the right side there, everything in the away column. Now, is it wrong to want those things? Freedom, adventure, fun, new relationships? No, it's not wrong to want those things. But we're starting to see why Jesus told this story. Because the Father in this parable represents God, our Father. And it's kind of similar to our lives. God, our Father, has blessed us with all kinds of good gifts. And he loves us like crazy. But he also gives us the freedom to make our own choices. And some of us can really identify with that younger son. We're drawn to those things in the right-hand column. And again, it wasn't wrong for the son to want those things, but those things became wrong when he put them above his relationship with his father. That's where the boy messed up. But as we just read, the son finally came to his senses. Running away did not get him where he wanted to be. And he finally figured it out. He's been running after the wrong thing. And this is a very important truth here. The, the question is not, what should we run after? The question is, who should we run after? The son realized he needed to run back to his father. And the same thing is true for us. If you're running after anything on that list more than you're running after God, that thing has become an idol. An idol is anything you put above God, and pursuing an idol will always lead to your downfall. Always. But that brings us to one of the best things we learn in this story. Our Heavenly Father does not hold a grudge. Let's see what happens next. Back to verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. So hitting rock bottom was really good for this son. He learned a valuable lesson. He learned that what he thought he wanted was not what he really wanted. What he really wants is to go home. He wants a restored relationship with his father. Of course, that's easier said than done. Because by this point, the son understands how much he has hurt his father. He understands that his dad has every right to be very angry. His dad has every right to punish him for a long, long time. So he prepares a speech, and he won't ask for too much. If, if he can just be a servant in his father's household, that would be enough. So he starts that long journey home, and I can just imagine the, the pit in his stomach as he gets closer and closer. And he, he's, just, he's just thinking. It had to be so stressful. What, 
What's dad going to do? What's he going to say? Is he going to lose his temper and go off on me? Will he just run me out of town? Will he turn around and not speak to me at all? He doesn't know. Because apparently, he, he didn't know his father very well. Let's check this out. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This has to be one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. This one verse tells us so much about God. Because if you have run away from God, if you are far from him right now, if you have hurt him deeply, if, if you have done so much wrong that you deserve to be punished harshly, this is what God longs to do for you. He longs to run to you with open arms and embrace you and restore you as a son or a daughter. He's waiting at the end of the road. Our Father's love is extravagant. He never gives up on us. His love never stops. This is such a great verse. But let's keep reading. The Son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. It's that speech he rehearsed, word for word. But I love this next part. The father just ignores that speech because he's too focused on celebrating. He turns to his servants and he says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Aren't you glad that Jesus told this story? According to God, there are two kinds of people. Forgiven and forgivable. Man, that is such good news. Because early on, even though that son was cruel and selfish, even though he was in a state of total rebellion... He was still forgivable. Now, we need to be clear about something. When the son was running wild in that distant country, he was not yet forgiven at that point. Why? Why not? Because he had not yet turned to the father. He had not yet turned toward home. But when he did that, what happened? The father ran to the son. He didn't wait for the boy to make it all the way home. The father embraced him and kissed him. It's one of the, the most beautiful images in the whole Bible. That reunion, it was a, a reason to celebrate. But not everybody was interested in a celebration. There were two sons, right? There was the younger son, the one who went away, and then there was the older son, the one who stayed home. And listen to what happens here. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. You see that? The father takes the initiative again. He leaves the house to go find this older brother. But he answered his father, Look, 
all these years. I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders. Yet, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And this is fascinating, isn't it? Because Jesus not only helps us understand God with this parable, he helps us understand ourselves. Let's go back to that list we looked at earlier. The younger son was very attracted to all those things on the right, the freedom, the adventure, the fun, the new relationships. And some of us are a lot like that younger son. We're attracted to those same things. But what about the older son? Well, it seems like he was more attracted to the things on the left. He liked staying home. He liked following the rules. He, he liked all the advantages of being there in the house. And you know, some of us can relate more to the older son. And we may not realize it right away, but all those things on the left, they can be idols too. We can put any of those things above God. A rule follower might make an idol out of safety or security. A rule follower might also make an idol out of pride, that feeling that you're better than other people. Now, when you run after an idol on that left-hand column, you may not find yourself wallowing with pigs, but you still end up in a very bad place. Go back and read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Look at what Jesus says to those prideful, legalistic Pharisees. And it's not pretty. Remember, the question is not, what should we run after? It's who should we run after? And in the end, we need to run after God. Nothing else, no one else deserves our full devotion. So now, what happens when you turn toward home and you run after your Heavenly Father? Well, it's amazing. When you come home to God through a relationship with Jesus, you move out of that forgivable category and you move into the forgiven category. Okay, so then once that happened, what hap what's, what's next? Well, once you're in that forgiven category, it's time to start growing to be more like Jesus. And, and there are lots of things that go along with that, but one of the things is that you need to start seeing other people the way God sees them. So we need to be more like the Father in this story. That's not easy for us. What comes easy for us is to be like the older son or the younger son. And let's think about how that plays out. Uh, if you are more like the older son, if that's your personality, your relational default will be judgmental. See, the older son forgot that he also needed to be forgiven of many things. Uh, an older brother mentality says, hey, I just want to live in a world where I get what's coming to me. But actually, no. That's not what you want. You don't want to get what's coming to you, what, what you deserve, because we've all sinned. And what we deserve is punishment. We're all desperate for the grace of God. 
every single one of us. And if we can't admit that, then we're as spiritually lost as any younger son. But let's think about the other side. If your personality is more like the younger son, your relational default will be tolerance. Now, tolerance can be a good thing when it means you just get along with other people who are different than you or think differently than you. Getting along is good. However, tolerance is not a good thing when it means you are okay with behavior that God says is not okay. That's the attitude that says people don't need to change. Everybody should just live however they want. But you know what? That's not really love. Because idolatry and sin always leads to destruction. So if you know someone right now who has run away from God, if, if a person comes to your mind right now, and you really love that person, you're going to want the same thing that God wants. You will want that person to leave the distant land and come back home. So do you see how this parable helps us understand ourselves? Some of us are too much like the older son, some of us are too much like the younger son, and some of us bounce back and forth between the two. But what God wants is for us to be more like the Father, more like Him. And from the Father's perspective, some people are completely forgiven because of a relationship with Jesus. Some people are completely forgivable, even though they're not forgiven yet. But all people are completely loved. That's how Jesus treated everybody. And man, can you imagine what this world would look like if we all followed the example of Jesus? It would really change things, wouldn't it? As we close here, I want to give you just a few things to remember as we learn to be more like the Father in this parable. First, if your personality is kind of like the older son, remember that you needed forgiveness just as much as anyone. We're all desperate for God's grace. And number two, remember that when you have a problem with somebody, that other person is completely forgivable. And God wants to forgive them. So that means you got to let go of the desire for the other person to get what's coming to them. Now, if your personality is more like the younger son, I have something for you to remember as well. To move from forgivable to forgiven there must be a turn towards Jesus. Forgiveness is not automatic. You have to turn around and run after God. And sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you come to your senses. But not always. It could be that your story is more like Seth's story. You remember that? Seth, he did not end up in a pigsty, as far as I know. Uh, but he did say for 10 years, I did not honor God in my life. But then the amazing thing is, whenever anyone turns to God, his answer is always the same. Welcome home. I'm confident that somebody right now needs to hear this message. You need to come home to your heavenly father. So how do you do that? Well, it's pretty simple. You surrender your life to Jesus. Uh, this is uh, part of our book, our God's Kingdom storybook. This is uh, the back page here. 
Now, last week, we gave out hundreds of these books. It's a summary and overview of this kingdom story. And it goes through everything we've talked about so far, but it also talks about how we respond to the story. So, what does it look like to surrender your life to Jesus? God's Word tells us. First, you put your trust in Jesus, and you accept His forgiveness as a free gift. Then you confess that Jesus is your Lord, your Master. You're letting Him run the show. It's, it's not you anymore. Then you repent. You turn away from your sins. You choose to live how God wants you to live instead of whatever you feel like doing. And then after you've done those things, you're baptized into Christ. And you live a new life that starts right now and it stretches into eternity. You know, if you are that person and you need to give your life to Jesus today, I encourage you to do that. Because we know what will happen. The, the, the Father... He says the same thing to anyone who turns to him. He says, welcome home. That's what we learn from this parable. Our father is good. He's perfect. His love is extravagant. So let's all receive his love today and then go out and share it with others. Let's pray. Father, You surprise us. You are more forgiving than we would expect. Your grace is bigger than we would expect. And we're all desperate for that. But I thank you for this parable that Jesus told that helps us understand you, helps us understand ourselves, and helps us understand how we should respond to what you've already done. And I pray if there's someone right now who needs to respond, that they will do that. I pray for those who are already forgiven that, that we will be less like the older or the younger brother and more like you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.